We are still on our book study on Joshua, but also we're about to find its ending. Last week, Pastor Jared reminded us that the path of faith will be a continuous, holy war, an ongoing battle for the line of God's people. And in this unending battle, we should expect resistance across all cultures. To stay faithful, we as God's people cannot simply expect to cruise to the finish line, but we would need to battle and fight until the end. The church is an army of God. Thus, to live victoriously as a Christian requires a lifetime of obedience, as Pastor Jared reminds us. Small, unseen, ordinary obediences stacking one on top of another until the end. This is the journey of a Christian. And this week, we will be realizing that this journey to the promised land, our own, is a very long race. And yet, today's passage reminds us that we have a God who is true to his word. So Joshua 13 to 21 is our passage today. Yes, it's a lot of chapters, I know, and it, but it aims to show us at least a few things. First, the way maker. Second, the promise keeper. And third, the confidence to keep going. Let's look at the first part as we dive in to chapter 13. Now Joshua was old and advanced in years, and the Lord said to him, You are old and advanced in years. And there remains yet very much land to possess. I myself will drive them out from before the people of Israel. Only allot the land to Israel for an inheritance, as I have commanded you. Now therefore, divide this land for an inheritance to the nine tribes and half the tribe of Manasseh. You see, church, throughout the journey of the Israelites in the wilderness, it was with Moses, and now it was ending with Joshua. They have been travelers. They have been traveling so many years throughout many, many generations. Their race and their journey has been going on for years and years with seemingly no end in sight. And remember how this journey began. It was God who approached Abraham told him that his descendants will grow and will be plenty and they will inherit a land they have not yet seen. And from that time that the promise was made, Abraham had died, Abraham's sons have died, generations have died after him, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, and now Joshua was old and advanced in years. That was hundreds of years of travel and journey and yet, remember, the promise that God had made to Abraham had not yet been fully realized. So Moses had died before they set foot on Canaan, the promised land. And as we enter today's chapter in 13, we're introduced to a new scene. It's setting up the tone of the chapter of the rest of the book of Joshua. The cameraman seems to walk in on a little room and focuses our eyes, the movie watchers, on a certain character. This character was pointing, uh, this camera was pointing on a character that seemingly wore army uniform. He was a commander, he was clearly a warrior. But as the cameraman moved closer to this character seated in the room, you slowly see that there were features that were revealed that showed us that he was old, he was advanced. In years, his beard was probably gray and ashy. Then you notice his breath, he was laboring. His body, not as astute as it once was, and so you realize, suddenly you realize, this was the same character that was shown to us in previous chapters. This was our hero, our leader, Commander Joshua. He was the charismatic and energetic leader in the past chapters. But this chapter introduces to us an old, gray, and advanced in years Joshua. 
And that is the image we enter into as we begin chapter 13. And remember in chapter 11, this was setting us up. Last week's message told us that Joshua, in verse 18, made war a long time with all those kings. So the wars that were documented were a span of years. The land that they were conquering took years and years and years and years to conquer before we arrived at chapter 13. They had just landed and began their conquest. If you remember, in 11, 12, they began to take land after land, but not even the whole promised land had been accomplished. It had yet to been fully realized. But, you know, the chapter 13 is already showing us, hindi pa tapos, pero matanda na yung leader natin. So what would happen next? It was God who started chapter 13. It was God who says, Matanda ka na Joshua, hindi ka na malakas. Pero ang dami-dami pa nating bansa na hindi nasasakop at hindi nabibigay according to my promise. This chapter seems to tar- start off weirdly, yet it shows us something about the Lord that we might miss because of our focus on this old and advanced Joshua. Let's look at this. Yes, Joshua was old and advanced in years, but here's what the Lord said. You are old and advanced in years, and there remains yet very much land to possess. And the Lord says this, I myself will drive them out from before the people of Israel. Let me invite you to stop and meditate on that a little bit. The Israelites were heading into a land that the Lord had promised to give them hundreds of years ago. Along the way, they had failed him many times. We've talked about it in the past few chapters in Joshua. But beyond Joshua, they have already failed and grieved him, made secret sins, disobeyed him in their tents. In the secret of their tents, they hid defiled objects. And sometimes they just secretly disobeyed the commands that he had given. So now we're at a junction in chapter 13 where things began to look bleak again. The leader Joshua, the one who was supposed to bring them this conquest, is shown to be old and ashy in his beard. He was weak, he was advanced in years, and there was so much land yet to be possessed. What would happen next? As I was reading this passage and preparing for today, a memory or a passage flashed flashed directly into my mind. It was from Joshua 1, verse 1 to 3. This time, the cameraman was showing us the funeral of Moses. What happened next after he died? It was again the Lord who approached the next Joshua. My, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now therefore, Joshua, arise, go over this Jordan you and all this people into the land that I am giving to them, to the people of Israel. Every place that the sole of your foot will tread upon, I have given to you, just as I promised Moses. What do you notice as we read this passage with with the memory of the last one, with Joshua old in his seat? Shift your attention away from Moses dying and away from Joshua being old, you will see that the common denominator between these two scenes in chapter 1 and chapter 13, between two generations, in both instances, it was the Lord's initiative to want to give them the land that he has promised. Moses is dead, but I will give you this land, therefore go, arise, go. I will give it to you just as I promised your fathers. And now in 13, it's also saying the same thing. You are old and advanced in years, but I myself will drive out the nations before the people of Israel. 
So we can see clearly that the author, the cameraman of Joshua, was wanting his, his readers to realize that this whole conquest, this whole book of Joshua, was not about Moses. It wasn't even about Joshua, even though the title says Joshua. The whole book is about this God who makes a way, finds a way, makes sure that what he promises will be delivered. He is true to his word. Some way, somehow, the Lord is a way maker. In both instances, the Lord could have said, Oh, well, they died, they sinned. Let me back out of this deal. No more contract. Contract is void. He died. He sinned. But no, it was God's prerogative. It was God approaching Joshua when Moses died. It was when Joshua was old, it was God planning for the succession, allot the people their land. It was God who was making a way for him to bless his people according to all that he has promised. What comes into our minds when we think about God is the most important thing about us. This was said by A.W. Tozer. So let me ask you, church, what comes to mind when you think about God? You see, church, memories inform us. Most of you here, let me incite your memory for a bit, are business leaders or employers or you have teammates, co-workers. But right now, I want you to think of the person you trust the most in your office, in your workplace, in your team, your most trusted teammate or employee. Maybe a name is coming to mind. Maybe a face is coming to mind. And as you think about that person, I want you to look back. How did you arrive at trusting that person? What ways did he or she earn your trust? I'm guessing that this person, this trust, this relationship with your most trusted employee started with a few responsibilities that you decided to delegate to him or to her and some tasks that you decided to entrust to him for them to do. And they did. They did it well. And over time, you entrust them with a little bit more, and then they did it well. And then you entrust them with a little bit more, and they did it well. With each passing time of you trusting them with something and them delivering you for that something, the expectations, the responsibilities, they delivered it, they managed it well, your trust in your most trusted employee grows, grows, grows. In the same way, what comes into our minds when we think about God as way maker? Have you had chances to trust, give God his due, and sought to see how he will deliver you? Do you have a memory bank? of the ways that God has made a way for you where there seemed to be no way. What comes into our minds when we think about God? Do you have memories of Him making ways for you? Because this will grow. This will inform if you trust Him or not. Sometimes it's also about taking the first step of surrendering something You've always handled on your own. Only then will you be able to discover that you truly have a trusted, worthy employee. In this case, only then can you discover that you have a God who is way maker. What memories in your life have you had with God? In what ways has He been making ways to fulfill his promises, and his character toward you in your life. 
the Lord has and always will be way maker for his people. We have seen this throughout the book of Joshua, where they have failed, where they have had no way, they have been defeated, their leader died, their leader is old, he makes a way. This is who he is. This is what he wants to be. He wants to make a way to fulfill his promises in your life, in my life, in the life of his people. That is his character. He wants to bless you. Have you allowed him to be who he is in your life? In 2015, I graduated from college and I was preparing to take my board exam. It was for licensure in physical therapy. You see, I was never a star student or a studious type. I love to apply more than to study. That's the excuse of those who have low grades, right? So expectedly, my mock exams before the boards were all failing. They were below the, the passing mark. And I remember thinking to myself that this is the best that I can do. I'm really trying to study. But this is my limit currently. I'm trying. So, near to the date, I just told the Lord, Lord, I hope that my best, this little best that I have, can be enough to simply get me a license. In my eyes, I knew there had already been a ceiling to what I could do at that time. With the study habits that I've gained, with the mental power that I had, with the memory that could fit all those board exam topics i've done everything i could this is the best so i took the exam and i waited for the result it was grueling to wait for the results and the passing rate was 75 percent you know what my grade was 79 percent 79 percent so the lord was my way maker back then. It was one of the core experiences in my life that taught me that in my limits, when there is no way for me anymore, I can only rely on God from here on. And after I realized, after I experienced the board exam experience that I had with God, I slowly stacked a new memory that God can make a way beyond what my best could do. The Lord is way maker. He is not limited by our age, by our death, by our advanced years. He makes a way for you to experience His blessing in your life so that you may praise Him and glorify Him for who He is. How about you? What are the situations in your life that God is inviting you today and trust into his hands. I pray that you experience that he is an employee worthy of your trust because he is way maker where we have no way. I pray that truth to become real in your life. So Joshua 13 starts us off with showing how God is way maker but he also progresses the story to reveal a God who is promise keeper. This next part of our passage will show us that. This is where we return to our passage in 13 verse 2 to 4. It says here, This is the land that yet remains, all the regions of the Philistines and all those of Jeshurites from the Shehor, which is east of Egypt, northward to the boundary of Ekron, it is counted as Canaanite. There are five rulers of the Philistines, those of Gaza, Ashdod, Ashkelon, Gath, and Ekron, and those of the Avim in the south, all the land of the Canaanites, and Meraah that belongs to the Sidonians, to Aphek, to the boundary of the Amorites, and the land of the Gebelites, and all Lebanon, toward the sunrise, from Baal Gad below Mount Hermon, to Lebohamath, all the inhabitants of the hill country from Lebanon, to Mishrepoth, Maim, even all the Sidonians, I myself will drive them out from before the people of Israel. Only allot the land to Israel for an inheritance, as I have commanded you. 
Now therefore divide this land for an inheritance to the nine tribes and half the tribe of Manasseh. God was making a way for the Israelites to be blessed, to fulfill His promise in their lives, to fulfill what He made, the promise that He made to Abraham back, way, way back then. For He was a God who was true to His word. And so he was making a way to fulfill his promises. He does so by commanding Joshua, this old Joshua, to divide the land for inheritance for each of the tribes of Israel. So I've highlighted two words here in the PowerPoint, an inheritance and an inheritance. What comes to mind, church, when you hear the word inheritance? You probably think of your children. You probably think of death. You probably think of your children's children and the bloodline after that. They will get your inheritance for they are part of your family line. An inheritance is something given to you. It's not something you earned for yourself. You cannot earn your family line. Your family line is something blessed by God to you. You were born into it. You were welcomed into it freely without your effort it is something provided to you by god in the same way here as we read this passage the lord was seeking to bless his people his line his family line from abraham down to abraham's descendants now here in canaan about to enter and conquer the promised land that was promised to their Grand, 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 grandfather Abraham. This is something they did not earn for themselves. It was a battle that was won by the Lord. Because the people belonged to the victor, which is God, they get the inheritance accordingly, which was the land. He was a God who was keeping his promises to their forefather. This was a sign. That after all those generations from Abraham to Isaac and so on and so forth, he is a God who is true to his word and he is making a way that even though Joshua's old, they could still get their inheritance. They divided the land. You see, the Lord, after all those years, after the, the one Abraham he talked to, Moses he talked to, Joshua he talked to, he still wants to continue to fulfill his promise, even though lahat ng kadil niya, lahat ng kakontrak, lahat ng signatories, patay na eh. But he still wanted to keep his promises because he is true to his word. So we see, and that's why our passage for today is a lot of chapters, because chapter 14 to 19 actually simply enumerates the distributions of inheritance. Chapter 14 was Caleb's inheritance, 15 was Judah's, 16 was Ephraim and Manasseh's, 18 was Benjamin's, 19 was Simeon's, Zebulun's, Issachar's, Asher's, and Dan's inheritance. It was literally enumerating who got what, where, and how. That goes on for 14, chapter 14 to chapter 19. The author was clearly showing us that the promises of God is being kept. He was faithful was finally consummating the promises he made years and years ago to Abraham. But what's interesting to note, actually, church, is that not all of these lands that were mentioned a while ago were already in the Israelite possession. You see, there were still enemies who were living in those lands. There were Philistines, there were the Amorites, the Gibeonites, there was the... Uh, the all the nights 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 so you see what was the point it was the point that god had given them already the right to these lands according to god these titles yung titulo ng land na ito already belonged to them they already owned it on paper but yet they were yet to fully realize the actuality of the blessings that the Lord had given. And if you would fast forward down the Bible story, the Bible history, you would realize that some of these tribes only got their allotment 
of their land much, much later. A few generations later in the time of King David. What does that tell us? You see, yes, the Lord is promise keeper. He will always fulfill His end of the relationship. He will fulfill what He promised. He will make a way for us to realize the blessings He has promised to us. But you see, there's also something he, the author wants to show us through this chapter. Look at the words in orange. Only allot the land to Israel for an inheritance, as I have commanded you. Now therefore, divide this land for an inheritance to the nine tribes and half the tribe of Manasseh. In Joshua 13, the Lord declares He Himself will drive out the nations before them. And here in our slide in Joshua chapter 1, remember what happened. Moses was dead, but also he commands Joshua, Now therefore arise, go. Your foot will tread. What does this show us? What am I trying to point out? In both of these instances, of both transitions, there are immediate action words and commands that the Lord instructs Joshua. With every promise you see, there comes along a course of action. As the Lord promises, there is action. Promise you, I will give you this land, therefore go. Because God himself will drive out the nations, therefore allot these lands to your people. Because God is promising us this land, therefore arise and go. Tread your foot towards those lands. So the Lord's promise keeping should not make lazy and complacent people. The Lord's promise keeping should make strong and courageous people. The Lord's promise keeping is always packed with a call to action. The Israelites, you see, failed to enjoy more years of living in the land that had already been allotted to them. For they served other gods and got distracted. They sat under flashlights instead of enjoy the sunlight that could have been theirs. They enjoy the current blessing more than the promised blessing. In a lot of ways, Christians, we are not much different. Let me tell you a story that probably would be common for all of our ears and all of our hearers. For those married here, I want us to recall before we met our spouses. Maybe you dreamt of someday having a marriage that you wanted to have. The kind of spouse you wanted to have for yourself and the kind of spouse you wanted to be towards her or him. Anong klaseng marriage kaya yung akin kapag meron na akong asawa? We've always dreamt that. So you have an imaginary list of goals. Gusto ko mag-travel kami. Gusto ko sana kung bigay niya ako ni Lord ng asawa, Magiging sweet ako, I'll buy her flowers, I'll surprise her. That feels so good, no? I'm looking forward to that. And then down the years, you start praying for a partner. Down the years, you met a girl. Down the years, she becomes your girlfriend. And now you marry her. And so in marriage, God has given her to you legally and spiritually. Through your marriage, God allots your wife as your blessing and inheritance from Him as a sign of His goodness towards you. He has kept His promise of wanting to bless you and fulfill His promises to you. But also notice that in this promise, in this blessing, there's also a call to action. Once you have a wife, you have a spouse, a husband. You must arise and go to fulfill your responsibilities as her husband, as his wife, according to all that God has commanded you. There remains obediences for you to step into, commitments for you to make towards her, towards this promise, towards what is already yours. You must have a willingness to love your wife in the way that Christ loved the church. You must be willing to give yourself up so that you might love her 
like Christ gave himself up for us. Things like that. If you don't, though she is already yours, by paper and in legal terms, you see, you will never be able to fully enjoy this blessing that is your wife. Even if the Lord has already given her to you. How many marriages do we know that end up like that? Mag-asawa nga sila, pero sana hindi na lang pala. Binigay nga sa'yo, pero nung nasa'yo na, ano na? Okay na to. May asawa naman ako, ganto na talaga. In the same way, that's what the Israelites did with their land. God promised them a land that would flow with milk and honey, but they failed to realize and truly enjoy this land because padugi-dugi lang sila, they just relaxed. Well, we got it. So they never fully consummated the promise that the Lord kept and wanted to bless them with. So the Lord's promise-keeping should not make lazy and complacent people. The Lord's promise-keeping should instead make strong and courageous people. The Lord's promise-keeping is always packed with a call to action. Because the Lord has so fulfilled His promises in your life, don't waste it. Step into it. Obey Him in the land that He blessed you with, in the family that He graciously gave for you to enjoy and to glorify Him with. How have you inherited a land but you just left it barren? How have you inherited a wife and you left her even worse than when you found her? How does that do justice to the promise that the Lord keeps in your life? Binibigyan ka na nga, pero pumapangit, hindi na enjoy hindi na ma-maximize, hindi nag-glorify, walang worship, walang wow, walang awe. There is nothing that praises God in the promise that He gives you. Sayang naman. You see, the promise-keeping character of God tends to be taken for granted, not just in marriage, but even by Christians themselves. We all know that He promises that all those who believe that Jesus was given for us, that He died for our sins, may be saved. He promises eternal life for those people who confess that. That's a promise that's written in His Word. So for, the, for those who have received that promise, we are saved by faith. And yet, that promise calls for action. Now that you're saved, now what? Some Christians, they chill. They relax. They wait until Jesus comes back or until they die, whichever comes first. No. You see, many Christians today fail to fully enjoy the gift, the promise of salvation because they think that's all there is. Binigay naman sa akin, saved na naman ako eh. But you see, in every promise that the Lord keeps for you, there is blessing in it there. Seek Him in the promise, act accordingly to the blessing you have received. Christian, you are not saved just simply to enter heaven. Hindi siya ticket to Japan, no? You are saved so that you might be reconciled to the God who created the world. You are now His friend. You are His beloved. You are his agent. You are his mission field. You are saved so that you might enjoy him fully. When you were once alienated, now you are called sons. He is able to do far more than we ask or imagine in the blessings and in the promise that he keeps in our lives. The question is, will we act accordingly? His promise-keeping 
should inspire us to be strong and courageous in the obediences that we set our foot upon. This is a question I like to ask people. All believers are saved from sin. But what are believers saved for? All believers are saved from sin. But what are believers saved for? Let that question stir deep in your heart that the promise of salvation may not make you a lazy and complacent Christian that cruises to heaven, but really compel you to seek for a course of action as to why the Lord so graciously saved you. What is the reason that you saved me, O Lord? What do you want me to be and to do? May that question steer deeply in the rhythms of your heart. I pray that the Holy Spirit counsel you, show you a better way, and teach you and speak to you intimately and personally. So, so far, Joshua 13 to 21 shows us that he is way maker, he is promise keeper. And now it shows us why we can have confidence to keep going. Thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give to their fathers, and they took possession of it, and they settled there. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. Not one of all their enemies had withstood them, for the Lord had given them all their enemies into their hands. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. Look at the PowerPoint slide. I want you to see a pattern. Do you see it? Thus the Lord gave to Israel all the land that he swore to give. Dot, dot, dot. And the Lord gave them rest on every side, just as he had sworn to their fathers. Dot, dot, dot. Not one word of all the good promises that the Lord had made to the house of Israel had failed. All came to pass. Gave all that he swore to give. Gave just as he had sworn. Not one word of all the promises failed. All came to pass. So as we are about to end the book of Joshua, it shows us that the start and the end of the book starts with the Lord asking Joshua to fulfill, to go and arise because he has promised his people this land. And it ends with another edge that showed us that what the Lord promised, he gave. He gave everything that he promised. So, Throughout our journey with Joshua week after week in this series, they have gone through roads that they have never traveled. They have experienced God in ways that they have never before. They've seen walls crumbling down. They've seen rivers parting. They've seen impossible enemies defeated and crushed. But one thing that we shouldn't miss in the things that we see in the book of Joshua, we see this God who is true to his every word. Everything that the Lord says will come to pass. This is his character. So to the obedient, he showed that there was victory and blessing because that's what he promised. And to the disobedient, there were curses and consequence, death and loss. This was his character. Everything he says he promises, it will come true. All that the Lord promised came true. Not one failed, everything came to pass. If you allow me to fast forward to a few chapters ahead in Joshua chapter 23, this is what Joshua reminds the Israelites. But you shall cling to the Lord your God, just as you have done to this day. Why? For the Lord has driven out before you great and strong nations. And as for you, no man has been able to stand before you to this day. One man of you puts to flight a thousand, since it is the Lord your God who fights for you, just as he promised you. 
So now what? What's the call to action? Be very careful, therefore, to love the Lord your God. Next, 15 to 16. But just as all the good things that the Lord your God promised concerning you have been fulfilled for you, but also the Lord will bring upon you all the evil things until he has destroyed you from off this good land that the Lord your God has given you. Why? If you transgress the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and go and serve other gods and bow down to them. Then, then the anger of the Lord will be kindled against you, and you shall perish quickly from off the good land that he has given you. So Joshua, as he was about to end his life, was giving this speech. The kind of God that is portrayed in this book of Joshua must have an effect on two groups of people. For those fearful and anxious, the book of Joshua is reminding us that we have a God who has driven out great and strong nations, barriers and walls in life that if left to us, we would never have been able to cross, we have never have been able to conquer. He has done that for us. He has done that for the Israelites back then. He can do so for you. For those who are fearful and afraid to move forward, we have a God who promises that. For those fearful and anxious, we have a God who defeats bigger and better enemies on our behalf. Trials and difficulties in life that by ourselves, we would not have been able to survive. We will not be able to survive. But through Joshua, he is showing himself to be able to do that. He is way maker. He is promise keeper. He will make a way in your life. You have promises that he will keep in your life as well. For his people, he has done that and he will continue to do that for us as his people. So he is the God who fights for you, just as he has promised. He will keep his promises to us because he is promise keeper. For the fearful and anxious church, the Lord's presence, power, and promises enable us to be strong and courageous. It's a call to action. On the other hand, there's another group of people that should be moved by this kind of God. For those lazy and complacent people, this same God will be faithful to bring about all the evil things and banish you from his land and blessing if you continue to disobey the commands he has clearly taught you. This is a God who will be angry towards you, being lazy to repent of your sins he has already brought awareness to, told you about, convicted you of. His anger is kindled. Kumukulo yung galit niya sa'yo. And he will spare no consequences for those who already know him, already know all that the good he has given you, all the chances he has granted to you. And yet, you choose to continue to serve other gods, including your own body, your own self, your own money, your own lust, your own covetousness, your comparison, your grumbling, your serving, your own attitudes, in spite of all that the Lord has showed you and spoken to you and done in your life, the, the, the things that He had made away, the promise that He kept in your life, you continue to shun Him, Beware of the Lord. Do not wait for the judgment of the Lord because His word will come to pass. Everything that He says He will do here in Joshua, the evil that He will bring to you because of your hard-heartedness, I think it will all come to pass. So church, do not wait for the judgment day of the Lord because it will come. Turn now. Turn back. Turn quickly. Repent. How about the other churchgoers? What are the secret sins that you don't want to tell your pastor? The secret sins you can never mention to your wife? The secret sins you can never mention to your kids? 
the Lord is waiting for you to turn away from it. It's better to be ashamed now and redeemed now than to never be able to turn away. Don't wait for the Lord's judgment for all His words will come to pass in that day. Do not wait for that day. Do not abuse the patience of the Lord. He desires for you to come back to Him. So as Christians, God's character should both convict and comfort us, depending on where our hearts are. Have we become complacent and have taken for granted the very precious and great promises of the Lord? Have we become too timid and forgotten the very precious and great promises of the Lord? Both of these should give us confidence to keep going. Why? Because we know that everything in the end will come to pass according to what the Lord has spoken. You see, faith is leaning heavily on something else. If your faith is in God, then you are leaning heavily on Him and on His Word to be true and to happen. It is just like this in our salvation. Our confidence lies not in the way we believe, in what the prayer we prayed in accepting Him. Our confidence lies in the truth that He will save all those who call on Him, who call on His name, who confess that Jesus is Lord and accepted Him as your Lord and Savior. If your confidence in the truth of God's Word that He says, whosoever believes in Me shall not perish, then your faith is in reliance. It's depending on, it's leaning heavily on the truth of the word that was said there. So Christians, if you are confident in the word of God, just like Joshua showed us that everything will come to pass, then our salvation also will come to pass. Our sins have been forgiven if indeed every word will come true. So for the church, our confidence in building disciples and making God's church even more glorious comes not from our competency or our confidence in how how good we are, but in saying from the word of God that he will be the one to build his church. How about for the other small group leaders and discipleship group leaders? Your confidence lies not in what the situations look like. Ah, buti na lang. Ah, nagde-devotion na yung member ko. No. We have confidence to keep going because the Lord says He is miracle worker. He is promise keeper in the lives of His people. Not just you, not just Moses, not just Joshua, but to the people, everyone, every tribe and nation who is, belongs to Him, He will bless, He will guide, He will finish His work. That He who began a good work in them will be faithful to complete it even after we pass. This is the confidence that we have that our work is never in vain. The Moses work that he left behind after his death, God allocates a lot to Joshua. After Joshua leaves and is old, he allots to the people. He always gets his work along. And this is the confidence that we have. No one will drop the baton because God is always timeless. He keeps on going. He is way maker and he will keep his promises to us, the church. So we can continue. We can keep going because our confidence lies not in ourselves, in our ability to finish this mission, but in the God who is true to his word. Revelation 19 verse 7. It gives us a vision of what will happen someday. Then I heard what seemed to be the voice of a great multitude, like the roar of many waters, and like the sound of mighty peals of thunder. And they cry out, Hallelujah! For the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come, and his bride has made herself ready. 
it was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure. For the fine linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. And the angel said to me, write this, Blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the true words of God. You see, church, this is the word of the Lord. So all of us believers will someday march towards our groom, the Lord Jesus Christ. And on that day, all his words will prove true. All his words will have come to pass. Not one of them will fail. That the church will be the glory of God. Not because of the church's perfection, but because the word of the groom, the word of Christ has come true and fully realized in the church's life. That he has clothed, clothed us with the full righteousness and acceptance through his blood. And on that day, the world will know that the true words of God have been realized. So church, so Christian, what are you waiting for? Between today and that day when all words will come true, what is the Lord inviting you to do? What confidence that, that, does that give you that we know the end, that we will be marching toward the Lord our God who has been waiting for us? We are already victorious. We are already more than conquerors. So what will you do in the in-between? Go to Him. Trust in Him. He will make a way. He will keep His promises towards you until that day. So may it give you confidence to become a strong people, a courageous people, and not lazy and complacent. Christian, you have been saved from sin. Christian, what are you saved for? May that clench your heart. Let us pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you that through the book of Joshua, you have been confirming that it is not our battle that we are fighting. Moses has gone, Joshua is old, and yet your promise remains. You keep your promises toward us because you are promise keeper. So until today, we are blessed with the inheritance of the saints who have gone before us, our forefathers, not because they have been good or they have been faithful, but because you have been faithful and you have been good towards your church and your people. So may it spur us to be a people who are strong and courageous to live out our mission in this world until that day when you come again to take us home. Make us courageous and make us strong by your Spirit. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I hope you have a blessed Sunday. And see you all next week.